Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, called Open the Eyes of My Heart. Now turn to 1 John, all the way almost to Revelation. Let me show you a couple things that John says about love. 1 John 3, 14. He says, we know, 1 John 3, 14, we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren or God's people. He who does not love abides in death. That's a straightforward thought, isn't it? 1 John 3.15 Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever, 1 John 3.17, has the world's goods, and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. I heard an interview recently with Bono, the lead singer for U2. He's been a controversial figure about some of his activities in the world and maybe even some of his theology. I don't know much about his theology. But in a half an hour interview with a focus on the family president, Jim Daly, Bono had some really cool things to say. He says he's a believer in Jesus Christ and he's gone around the world to try to deal with the AIDS epidemic, to deal with uh, countries where people are not free and he's petitioned the U.S. government to, to intervene in some of these cases and our government actually has responded. Uh, These are things that we don't often hear about America, but we have responded to some of these situations. And I was impressed with, he he was talking about the fact that we can have all the theology right, but if we lack the action, then we've missed it. If you look at 1 John 3, 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. Don't just say it, but what? In deed and truth. Now, in 1 John 4, the very next chapter, if you look at verse 19, this is the motivation of love. And throughout 1 John, uh, John is doing tests to see if you're truly a Christian. And this is what he says, 1 John 4, 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. That's why we do it. If someone says, so this is their testimony, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this suggestion, we no, it doesn't say that. Actually, it says, and this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Now keep turning to the right, and you're going to get to Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus addresses the church at Ephesus through the apostle John. Remember, we are studying Ephesians And one of the seven churches addressed in Revelation 2 and 3 is the church at Ephesus. Here's the church that Paul commended for their faith and love 35 years later. Let me just quickly give you the background. Ephesians was probably written around A.D. 60. Okay, Revelation is probably written about A.D. 95. So this is now a test of what happened to a church in 35 years. 
Now think about it. 35 years is about a generation. What happened to the church at Ephesus? Take a look with me. This is Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, those are the angels of the pastors, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, those are the churches. Picture is Jesus walking among his bride or his churches, says this, Revelation 2, 2. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. Jesus knows what his church is up to. He's in the midst of his church. And that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. He commends them for this, that they tested people for their doctrine. And you have found them to be false. That's a good thing. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Another good thing. But... I have this against you, that you have what? Left your first love. Now remember the commendation that we just read about? Your faith and love has been talked about everywhere. And 35 years, the Ephesian church had their doctrine right, but their love was gone. The word left for left your first love is ephesus in Greek, and it's the word used of the scapegoat when the, the priest would lay his hands on the head of the goat and they would send the goat away. We talked about the rich picture there of our sins have gone as far as the east is from the west. Well, in this case, the same Greek word, uh, uh, you have left your first love, means you've walked away, much in that same way. Think of that Greek word. You've, you've moved away. Now, I don't think completely, but I think the, the indication is you are now at a much greater distance away from me. You used to be close and now you're way over here. You've left your first love. Now what does Jesus say to the church who leaves their first love? He says these words. Remember, therefore, verse 5, from where you have, what? Fallen. Now lots of times when we talk about falling in the Christian church, we talk about, I fell into, uh, you know, somebody fell into a sin of, you know, maybe a, a spiritual leader had a moral failure and he fell. Or we talk about the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Well, here, Jesus says, remember from where you have fallen, and that is a lack of what? Love. In Jesus' eyes, when you don't love the way you're supposed to, you've fallen away. Now, the love here is the love preeminently for the Lord, but it's also love for his people, which they were known for as we read Ephesians chapter 1. So he says, remember, that's what you have to do. Remember from where you have fallen. And what? What's the second word? Second R word is repent. And do the what? Deeds. We talked about love should be truth or word and deed. Deed and truth. You did it first or else I am coming to you. Now notice this. And will remove your lampstand. The lampstand is the church. And you can cross-reference Revelation 1 verse 20. I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, what is Jesus saying to the church at Ephesus? I'm going to take your church away if you don't repent. Wow. Would Jesus do that? Well, he's Lord of the church. And in Acts 5, we're going through the book of Acts on Sunday morning, we're going to read in Acts chapter 5 how God kills two people in the early church. And we say, that sounds like the God of the Old Testament. Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. 
We've all figured that out, right? Okay. And he took a very dim view of what they did because they soiled the reputation of the church. And, you know, God is gracious and we're all here because this is a hospital for saints. <laughs> we like to say a hospital for sinners, but we're actually all saints. We learned that in Ephesians chapter 1, right? But we're still imperfect. We're still under construction. So we, we try to give each other grace, but my point is this, that somewhere along the line, the church at Ephesus lost their first love, and Jesus himself, the Lord of the church, said, unless you repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Now you could... We could conjecture, what does that exactly mean? Remove their influence? Well, I did a little homework on the, on the church at Ephesus, and I was looking at my notes. Go back to Ephesians, and about the 4th or 5th century, I think the uh, city itself, and it, it may be the church with it, because I just found stuff on the city about the 4th or 5th century was gone. So I'll let you uh, wrestle with that a little bit. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. The church was doing well, but... We need, to, we need to grow in the things of Christ and the things of love. Now look at verse 17. Now Paul's praying for them, and here's his beautiful prayer, Ephesians 1.17. He says, I mention you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit. Now, if you have the NIV, spirit is capitalized. No other version capitalized spirit, capitalizes spirit. It's the Greek word pneuma, Sometimes spirit here means your attitude or your mental disposition. I am praying that God would give you, you could say it this way, an attitude of wisdom or a mental attitude or disposition of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if you want to argue that that's the Holy Spirit there, I've got no problem with that. But most agree that that should be lowercase and it has to do with your mindset or your state of mind or how you think or your attitude. I'm praying that God would give you an attitude to know who you are. That's what Paul is basically saying. My prayer for you is that you'll know who you are. Don't forget who you are. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. Psalm 119, 18 and 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide thy commandments from me. What is Paul's request? It is that the church would understand and appreciate to the fullest possible extent all that we have in Jesus Christ. NIV says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at 17 with me, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's prayer for the church is that you might know God better. If you want to pray for somebody, let's say you have a younger believer around you, you might model your prayer after Paul's prayer. God, I pray that my son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, person I'm discipling, person at work, new believer I just meant, might know you better. But I would also say, you should pray this for yourself. God, I want to know you better. Now, how do you get to know somebody better? By spending less time with them? By saying, I'll meet you once a week for an hour? How well do you know people that you see once a week for an hour? Not really well. And so the word know has an Old Testament heritage. And I want you to hear me clearly on this so you can understand what I'm saying. The Old Testament word is yada, to know. And it was used in Genesis for Adam knowing his wife in an intimate way. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Psalm 119, 18 and 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide thy commandments from me. What is Paul's request? It is that the church would understand and appreciate to the fullest possible extent all that we have in Jesus Christ. NIV says... I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at 17 with me, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's prayer for the church is that you might know God better. If you want to pray for somebody, let's say you have a younger believer around you, you might model your prayer after Paul's prayer. God, I pray that my son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, person I'm discipling, person at work, new believer I just meant, might know you better. But I would also say, you should pray this for yourself. God, I want to know you better. Now, how do you get to know somebody better? By spending less time with them? By saying, I'll meet you once a week for an hour? How well do you know people that you see once a week for an hour? Not really well. And so the word know has an Old Testament heritage. And I want you to hear me clearly on this so you can understand what I'm saying. The Old Testament word is yada, to know. And it was used in Genesis for Adam knowing his wife in an intimate way. Now taking that concept and moving it over to a spiritual application, the idea of the word yada in Hebrew and the word know here in Greek has the idea of an intimate relationship. Okay? The word speaks of an intimate relationship, knowing somebody really well, soul to soul, heart to heart. Now the intimacy in, in the physical union is only for marriage. It doesn't apply to our spiritual life, but that's the heritage of the word to move over to the idea of the word know so you will understand. God wants to know you intimately. Actually, he already does. He wants you to know him intimately. You with me? And so how do you get to know somebody intimately? Well, you spend time with them. You find out things about them. You invest in getting to know their soul. You make an investment in their life. 
You could say, well, I know somebody famous. Like I was at a dinner party and I shook the hand of a famous actress or actor, but you don't know them. Now you might tell your friends you know them. You might put it on Facebook. Hey, I took a picture with them, but you don't really know them. The way you get to know somebody is you spend time with them and you get to know their heart. And so this is the point, that we might know him, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Have you ever noticed that when a couple's been married for a long time, this happens to some couples, not all of them, they begin to look like each other? Have you noticed that? And then they wear those matching sweaters and you go, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that, please. You know. Their dogs have matching sweaters. You know. Paul says, I pray, 18, that the eyes of your heart, what? Does your heart have eyes? Well, in the Hebrew thought, the heart was the seat of the intellect. Paul's really aiming at the intellect here. It can include your emotions, but your emotions in Greek thought were often thought of in the bowels. But the heart was really the seat of the mind and the intellect, and it could include the emotions. But what Paul's praying is, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now in Hebrew thought, and this would be true of other cultures, when we say your heart, we're not talking about your pumping organ. We're, we got the word cardia here. But the idea of the heart is the whole of the person, the center of who you are. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Fotizo is the Greek word. means to shed rays, to bring into light, to render something evident or clear so that you may know, here's Paul's prayer, what is the hope of his calling, that you might know your hope, what are the riches of the glory, the riches that you have, of his inheritance, and his inheritance is in the saints. A cool thought is we are his inheritance. Did you know that? You are Christ's inheritance. God the Father has given the church to the Son. Think of the picture of marriage now. We are his inheritance in the sense that he's purchased us with the dowry. The bride price has been paid and the Father is now giving the church as a gift to his Son. We are his inheritance. And you're going to see at the end of this section some mind-blowing words that Christ has voluntarily allowed himself to be and I say this with all the utmost respect, to be incomplete without the church. And you say, Pastor Michael, are you sure? I'm going to show you the verse in a minute where I'm not saying Christ is in any way incomplete. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying he has voluntarily uh, set up the universe so that the church would fill this all-in-all position. And Paul says, I want your eyes to be open to the fact that you have great hope, great riches, and you are his inheritance. I want you if you could go with the analogy for a second, to have spiritual 2020. Now, as I've gotten older, I used to make fun of people who had those little uh, reading glasses all over the house. Do you guys have those? Properly positioned so that you can read stuff. And a couple weeks ago, I was trying to read something and I couldn't see it. And my wife had a pair of those little glasses in a mug and I put them on and I kind of looked around to see if anybody's looking. And I put them on and I said, I can see the type better. And now I've admitted it publicly, so please don't tell my wife. But anyway, (laughs) Paul wants us to have clear 2020 spiritual eyes. And there's a lot of things that can convolute our vision. I was playing racquetball one day with a guy, and he's an attorney. 
And he was known in our group as this obnoxious guy who argued every call that didn't go his way. What he claimed is that he had 2015 vision. I got 2015, 2015, I saw that. He said, we don't care if you have 2015, you're an attorney and you're a liar. <laughs> we saw it, right? Anyway, if you're an attorney, I'm sorry, not all attorneys are evil. But, so, <laughs> gotta be careful. So we're at the smoothie bar and I had my wallet out and I'm buying a smoothie and I noticed that he's peering over at my driver's license. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, aha! And I said, what? And he said, corrective lenses. It says it right there on your license. I said, so? I said, they correct my vision to 2020. He said, if I had you on the witness stand, I would tear you apart. And I said, how would you tear me apart? He said, I would ask, when's the last time you had those things clean? When's the last time you changed the barrel lenses? I would tear you apart. I said, all right. Anyway. Now, you say, what's the point, Pastor Michael? I have no point. No, I'm just kidding. I do. <laughs> I just wanted to make fun of a lawyer during a message. No, <laughs> just kidding. Actually, my point is, I need corrective lenses. And I'm not talking about my contact lenses. You see, I realize that sometimes I don't see things right. And you know what corrects my vision? His presence. Now, he already lives in me, but you know, I just showed you how in 424, it's put on the new man. In 518, it's be filled with the Spirit. In 6, 11, 10 and 11, it's put on. We got to put on what he's provided. You know, when God gave us a picture of this, he gave it to us in the manna in the wilderness. And every day, they had to pick up the provision. One day at a time. Remember, they couldn't get extra. There's only a, a provision, I think, for the Sabbath day, but that was it right? You got to pick up what God put down and make it your own. Bring it into your tent. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? That's a little man of humor for you. What I'm saying is the provision is there, but you got to do something with it. That's the story of Ephesians. Yes, you have these things and I want you to know that they're available for you. Here's where the glasses are, but you got to make a move and put them on. And when you put them on, you see clearly because as Christians, we know we need that. Because if we're not investing in the things of God, our line of sight can be muddied. You've been listening to Open the Eyes of My Heart, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. More details to come, and we're very excited to let you know who our next guest speaker will be. But for now, remember August 22nd. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend, both in person and on our live stream. We open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you've not seen one of our 633 events, you can watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Walk in Truth partners who are walking with us together. Uh, We're agreed that the Word of God needs to get out there, and your expressions of gratitude and support um, tangibly by your prayers, by your encouragement, mean the world to us more than I could tell you. And I want to take a moment to thank Caesar from Independence uh, for helping us, partnering with us, 
um, to pay the radio bills, but also, you know, we, we are looking for more opportunities to spread out. And we're on several new radio stations this year, as many of you know, and we're always uh, asking the Lord to show us what he has next for us. We want to impact as many people as possible. So thank you, Caesar, for being so faithful and giving uh, to this ministry. Johnny in Bakersfield has decided to become a monthly partner. Thank you, Johnny. Shout out to you. Hey, we appreciate it. God bless you. And thank you for praying for us and for supporting us. Uh, We're grateful. And I speak on behalf of the team that makes this happen. Mike Massaro, Rob Newton, uh, Nathan Lance here at the board today. Um, Our whole team, uh, Pastor Mike Rizzi, my beautiful wife. There's many that... uh, have have great passion for this program. And there's many people who are part of our church fellowship and part of our wonderful uh, listening family who pray for us regularly. And, uh, and again, I can't articulate enough how much those prayers mean to us uh, to keep us going and keep fighting the good fight and keep doing what God has called us to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. God bless you. And of course, if you want to find more about the program or how to give, you can always go to walkintruth.com. God bless you. See you right here tomorrow. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 called Open the Eyes of My Heart. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.